I'm a fun you guy. You have fun when they finish below 500. I'm just Captain Fun. I guess. Or a captain suit. The show from now on. I don't like the half point. Well, that's called the hook. I don't like it. What the hook? How do you get rid of it? Can you get rid of the hook? I'm gonna have a coronary. I'm getting too old for this job, but you guys may have won. Upset. If you look back at where the term came from, it was from a horse race. Upset when did you turn a, into Cliff Clavin? I like this job. <laughs> I've had it for a long time, Paul. Last one. This is the chemistry lab. I'm on the verge of next year's Super Bowl. I can't Bowl. help what I think. Be honest, Paulie. You're not doing this for <laughs> other people's entertainment. You are truly enjoying this. This is Orange Nation. It's a good day for you, Paulie? It is a good day for me, Steve. We'll get into that in a little bit, though. Steve and Paulie with you here up until 2 o'clock. We, we were, and we will, talk a lot of SU football on the show today. The uh, first practice of the preseason officially set for tomorrow morning. Team reporting back to campus today. We'll hear from Stephen Bailey coming up at 12.30. Uh, 1 o'clock, we'll be joined by Zach Gelb. He's the host of the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. Jack Joe Keenan at 1.30 to talk Yankees baseball. And we'll uh, we'll get in some sound from Dino Babers. A couple of players address the media today. But we, we begin with, uh, we, we have to begin with the news that you were very excited about. Everybody wanted to know where Juan Soto was going to go. I you kept it. saying it's not going to be San Diego. It's San Diego, Paulie. It is as uh, apparently there's one sticking point in the trade as of right now of who the major league player the Padres are going to send. And I'm getting a bad vibe that it's going to be uh, the more I think about it it's going to be Jake Cronenworth. Your guy. Yeah. Best hitter on the team, but that would make the most sense. You you're uh you're going to give up a two-time All-Star. For Juan Soto. Got to give up something. I mean, you look at the... They the give other, up their farm system. I was going to say, the other players in the deal. I mean, it's it it's a good deal, but it's... it's is it, it, be, it Admit it. It's less than what you thought yes. it would take, right? Yes. And the only thing that stopped the uh, Cardinals from getting him is they wouldn't put Dylan Carlson in the deal. And the Cardinals... The Cardinals win, man. They're, they're a winning organization, and they, they get their players, and they keep them, and they win. You know, so I, I get what they're doing. But, you know, the, people are saying I'm a hypocrite because I always bust on the this, this happened once in my 50 years of life that the Padres are going <laughs> for it. So I, I'm I'm doing it. That's a scary it's middle Hosmer, part of that lineup. Alice saying it's been announced that it's Hosmer. Tatis, Machado, Soto. That's a murderer's row in your lineup. <sighs> Man. All right, I, I may be even more useless than normal today, Steve. I would think you would be more engaged. No, I'm completely. I'm not used to this. This is this is what it's like to be a Bills fan this year. You think you're gonna? They're, they're, they'll find a way to blow this. They they're not a World Series winning team this year by any stretch. I would say. What if, the, what if this is the year? They've Paul, got a puncher's chance now. What if this is the year? Padres and Bills. They got they're they're oh if they both happen, yeah. I would be very happy for us. <laughs> What if this is a year, Steve, that Syracuse football turns it around, too? That'd be nice. And then the apocalypse happens. <laughs> I know, right? Um, you know, I, I spent, I told you, I, I spent about 20 minutes with Dino yesterday. Uh, we, we sat down for a one-on-one -on -one interview uh, prior to me coming over to the radio show. Um, he, he seems genuinely confident to me. 
Um, I don't think it, it was coach speak. He he seems genuinely confident in this team, and you know he wouldn't put a number on it. But I get the feeling he thinks they're going to surprise some people this year. Um, he seems to really like this team for a variety of reasons. So let, let's get into some of that sound from my interview with him yesterday. Uh, and again, we've got Stephen Bailey coming up at 1230. So we'll spend a lot of time on SU football. Team reporting to campus today. The, the players had till noon today to get back to campus uh, to officially report. There's a bunch of meetings today, NCAA compliance. You know, They'll meet with academic staffers. They'll go through all that. And then the first practice of the preseason is set for tomorrow morning what do you expect? at 9.45. You, you say Dino is confident. What do you expect? No, I know. He was very confident last year. I, I And I understand he's got to say That's what I'm saying. It came across to me as there was a genuine confidence in this team. It wasn't just coach speak. He seems like he, he likes the pieces. Gotcha. What's that? Gotcha. What do you mean, gotcha? He's gotcha. He's bu- you're buying oh. in. I'm buying in that I think he... He believes they're gonna they're gonna be better than too. most people think. I, I think that, they will that's be what it, that's all I'm saying. He doesn't have to be. They don't have to. Be, that isn't saying much. Being but they just gotta win six games. Yeah, that's it. The bar isn't that high. Schedule's a little daunting, but it's just six games. It's all it just takes. Just six games. It's all it takes. It's an important year. They got he knows five it's an important last year. year, right? Is that how? Many? Yeah, they got they five. They got five last year, and they year went without, through that streak of th- you know three games decided by a field goal without throwing the football. Right. And we'll, we'll get to that. I, I did ask him about Schrader and asked him if he was comfortable with, with where Schrader is right now throwing the football. Let's start, though. Let's kind of go in order. Um, I asked him about the offseason and, you know, the additions of uh, his new assistants, um, you know, the transfers they brought in. I, I asked him for his assessment of the offseason. Uh, Babers on, on, on off-season. Yes, they're so never you, in order. You really, you really I, I, are going to be useless today, aren't no, you? No, I'm just saying it would be nice if they were in order. Like, you throw to the first one, and it's in the middle of the pack, and I have to read through them all. We had some needs that we needed to take care of when it came to uh, the players. I felt that from a, a coaching standpoint, there had to be some uh, some changes. and But they had you just don't change the change. You really got to have some foresight. I thought uh, acquiring Robert and I was a big deal. I think he's he's proven he's someone that's been around. His thought process and and my thought process is very similar. Uh, getting Jason back, somebody that he's very comfortable with, I think helps the process as far as the players understanding the new terminology and the things that are going on. And then I'm going to add in there Michael Johnson. People understand as a wide receiver coach, you're talking about a guy that's coached co- collegiate ball coach pro football, coach wide receivers and quarterbacks. I mean, that throwing game, we, we have more experience on the offensive side of the ball than we've had at any time that I've ever been a head coach since 2012. So it is a, uh, it's exciting, it's different, and I can't wait to see what they're going to be able to, to put on the football field. And that's not to exclude uh, our new special teams coordinator, Bob Ligashevsky, who already has a Super Bowl ring with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, uh, this staff is, it's, it's older, but it's a lot more, uh, a lot more polished and a lot more experience. He definitely talked up the assistants, and and again, one by one, like you go on down the list, like they they have upgraded uh, at several spots on their staff, and I think he feels really good about the people they have in place. And as he said, they're an older staff now than they were, uh, but they're more experienced. They got a lot of accomplishments, uh, you know, on that coaching staff, and they're obviously hoping that the the team reaps the benefits of that. So let's get to Garrett Schrader. Um, I asked him about 
in particular, Schrader's improvement in the offseason and his ability to run the offense, and if he's comfortable with the way Garrett Schrader's throwing the football right now. I think the biggest thing is he's, he's better, okay? The thing, people was like, oh, he, we want him to throw like this, we want him like that. Garrett has gotten a lot better throwing the football. The other thing you need to understand is with the legs that he has underneath him, he doesn't have to be supersonic. The guy is a problem. He's a handful. He's a handful. And I think with uh, the improvements that Coach Beck and, and Coach and I have done, also with Coach Johnson, what he's doing with the wide receivers and the schemes that we're running, you know, a lot of that stuff is going to be geared towards him. We really didn't know who the starting quarterback was going to be last year, so you kind of had to keep two types of offenses alive depending on who was going to be the guy, and then you had to develop that thing during the season. That's not the case right now. We're, we're gearing this thing towards him and, and our backups, and we think that our backups uh, have similar qualities that he has. So a couple things there. Uh, this is Garrett Schrader's team. He said that at ACC Media Day. He reiterated it yesterday. This is Garrett Schrader's team. He is QB1. He's going to get the first team reps in camp. There is, there's not a competition right now. Garrett Schrader's team. I did ask him, or we're not going to play the bike because it was a short bite, but I did ask him, I said, you know, you're, you're not, I'm sure at this stage, going to tell us who your backup quarterback is, but do you know who your backup quarterback is? And he essentially said, he kind of paused, and he was like, I'll put it this way, uh, by the end of camp, it will be obvious who the backup quarterback is. And I think the the end of that soundbite we just played was important. He said that, you know, Garrett Schrader is a certain type of quarterback. They're gearing the offense toward him. They feel like the guys behind him can play in that same type of offense. Last year, it was very much two different kinds of offenses, right? Tommy DeVito wanted to throw the football. Garrett Schrader wanted to run the football. You've got other guys. We've talked about the depth at that position, namely, you know, Dan Valari from Michigan, They've got Jacoby and Morgan. We found out today Justin Lampson's not going to play. Carlos Del Rio Wilson is the guy that I think we all have our eye on. You know, he came here after spring practice from Florida for a reason. And again, my my guess is, and I'm uh, this is just me speculating. My guess is he's the guy that is going to be the backup and can come in and do similar things to what Garrett Schrader can do. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that, Stephen. I'd like to go back to the the bite we played before. Yeah, I don't know if you asked Coach Babers this, and now it's got me thinking. Are these coaches that they hired coming in to run Dino Babers' system, or is there a complete overhaul that's happened in the past two years? Where is Orange is the new fast gone? Is that style of offense gone, or is Syracuse running a new offense? I get the sense. I didn't ask him that specific question, but in talking to him, I get the sense that they are catering toward their strengths. And you've got, obviously, one of the best running backs in the country. You've got a running quarterback whose strength is with his legs, not so much with his arm. You've got an offensive line that hasn't been able to stay healthy. There hasn't been continuity. But you can run the, you can run the ball out of the run, fast offense. Right, you, right, you can. Um, I, I don't know as if we're going to see that kind of tempo. Now, it, it is what they do. Um, but is it anymore? Is well, that is I, that an identity? I'd, I'd a, like to know that. Is that an identity of Syracuse football any longer? Yeah, that that is a great question. I didn't ask that specific question. Um, I got the sense watching. Talk to me next time. Watching them the last couple of years, I think there's spots where they want to move fast, but I, I think they prefer not to at this point because you don't want to put too much stress on your defense, right? Yeah. I mean, we've seen what happened when you can't move the football. 
Um, the games go six hours, and the other team scores a lot of points. Your defense gets gassed, right? <laughs> Second half, you you break down. Um, so again, he didn't. We didn't specifically get into the the speed and and the up tempo offense, but I think we've seen a gradual change the last couple of years away from get off as many plays as you can as quickly as you can to more of a, again. It's, I don't want to say a slower pace, but it's slower than what we were used to when he first got here. I mean, you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, it's 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 been a gradual change. I don't know if it, one day they woke up and said, we can't do this anymore, but I think we've seen a gradual change in that direction. Well, we saw it gradually grow into it also. Like, when he first got here, they weren't able to just do it either because they didn't have the ability to do it, and then it, it clicked for a year, and then now it's gone again. Right. So... Yeah, bowling ball says it's three yards in a cloud of dust. That's that, If that's what wins games, that's what you do. And I, I will give 100% credit to Dino Babers for the way he's adjusted. <laughs> you know, the, what they did last year with what they had is completely different than he's done since he's been here. So right. He's adjusting to what he's got. So Right. And, and just to get back to the quarterbacks, though, I think, you know, that – has been a hot topic of discussion. We've been discussing it, I feel like, since March about whether or not Garrett Schrader is the guy. Again, Dino, has it, he's made no secret about it. There is no debate right now. Garrett Schrader is the guy. And, you know, you know my feeling. I'm not 100% sure that he's going to be the quarterback at the end of the year, but it sounds like there is, without a doubt, injury aside, he is yes. a 100% the quarterback to start the year. And my sources have told me, Steve, I don't drop my sources often, but uh, the backup situation is very good in the future of the position after Schrader looks very good with, with the transfer from Florida. So you've been hearing good things yes, about him? Yes, yes. Rarely do I hear anything, but I yeah. have heard that. Heard good things about good. him. So maybe, you know, again, and I'm just telling you what Dino said yesterday. He said it will be obvious at the end of camp who the backup is. And if we couple it with what you're saying, that's that's intriguing. Uh, that is intriguing. And and again, and to me, that makes a lot of sense if he is, if he becomes the backup again. No Justin Lampson this year, which is a bad break. He played great in the spring, great in the spring game. Uh, he's out for the season uh, with a, a, a lower body injury. Um, all right, let's move on. You know, th- there's more to the passing game than just the quarterback, right? I mean, we've discussed this. The receivers need to get open. The O line needs to protect him. Um, so I asked him about this wide receiver group and uh, and who we should be looking out for and and his assessment of of that unit. Well, I'm not going to single anybody out, but I do I do think these guys need to how I say step up and step out. I think we've got some guys that can do some things, and it's a matter of them being they've done it in practice, but now can you do it in the game? And uh, I think when the lights go on, that people are going to be pleasantly pleasantly surprised about what some of these guys can do. Some of them younger and some of them older. That remains the biggest question for me with this team. And I know, we, you know we've had a few uh, SU football analysts on, and we'll get Stephen Bailey's take on this coming up at 1230. We've had some analysts on and, and some people who cover the team, and they go to the D-line, and they say that's their biggest question mark. And I understand because the D-line's young, and I did ask him about the D-line. We'll get to that here in a moment. But for me, the biggest question mark is can they, can they move the ball through the air? And I just I don't know the answer to that. Um, I'm glad that Garrett Schrader's arm is better. I'm glad he's more accurate. I'm glad he's taking steps forward. He could not throw the ball deep last year. He could and, not throw the ball short last year. Well, well, yeah, that's 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 a fair yeah. point. Um, 
and he and some of it was he didn't have receivers that could get open yeah. either. It's a it's a. I have faith that he's capable of getting six wins this year. I I've said it before, and you guys, everybody looks at me like I'm crazy, but. I don't think you're crazy. I don't think I just, it's that major of a jump that they're asking for. I don't complete ten to fifteen passes. I don't think you're crazy. I don't think it's a guarantee, though. I don't think we could just it. He's not guaranteed to be good enough. We got to see it, I guess, or at least that that's that's the way I look at it. We got to see it. Um, I'll I want to see it before I believe it. Um, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope that he is, you know, vastly improved from a year ago throwing the football. And the wide receivers are vastly improved from a year ago. And as Dino said, he's seen it in practice. We haven't seen it in the game. I haven't seen it in the game. Yeah, I don't need vastly. I don't. Need, I do. I I just need. Good. I mean, you say fifteen. Like again, going from a, a game where he completed five passes to fifteen—that's three times as many completions. That's a that is a vast improvement. I don't know. From five completions to fifteen. It's going to take a full team effort, though. I, I don't put it all on him, like you said. The receivers got to get open. O line's got to give them time. You got to be able to run the ball. Yeah, and I think they'll be able to run the. I, I think they will, even though they're they're getting keyed on, uh, and Sean Tucker's going to be keyed on. I think he's good enough to be able to run the football. And the O line, again, injuries aside, and that you that has to be the caveat with all this. They got to stay healthy up front. Um, if they do, I think they're certainly going to be able to run the football. I just don't know if if they could pass consistently enough uh, to win the six games. Let's step aside. We got more from Dino uh, coming up, and then uh, Stephen Bailey will join us at twelve thirty. If you want to check in, feel free to give us a call three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. More from Dino Babers next on ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. Welcome back to Orange Nation. It is a Weird Al Day today, Steve. You are all pumped for this. His album Mandatory Fun went number one on this day. This is the one that got it all started on the Dr. Demento show. Another one rides the bus. Were you a Dr. Demento fan, Steve? I, I mentioned Dr. Demento in the in the bullpen out there. And I don't know if it's because of we're all in radio and nerds. But it elicited a, a response like everybody in the bullpen listened, but I don't know that everybody did or if it was just radio geeks that listened. To- I, I listened. Yeah, definitely. It was like appointment listening on Sunday nights yeah. to listen to Dr. Demento. That was another one rides the bus. Is it is it fitting that it's Weird Al Day on a it's, day where the Padres land Juan Soto? It's definitely a weird day. Right? Yeah. yeah I feel like it's very appropriate. Um, it's right, a let, good day. Let's get back to uh, some of um, what Dino Babers had to say yesterday in our sit-down interview uh, for, for News Channel 9. Um, I did ask him about Sean Tucker, and I, I posed the question to him. I even said, I've I've mentioned this on our radio show, and I want to get your thoughts. And I, I told him what I had laid out about how I think that Sean Tucker's stats can fall short of what he did last year, but the team could be better. There could be more balance. He kind of paused I said, you know what I'm trying to get at, right? He's like, yeah, I understand. He just wanted to think about his response. Here, here is his response to that. I would be disappointed if his numbers weren't the same or better. I think that we're going to be better. And I do think that we need to be more balanced in what you're saying. And uh, it may not come daily, every game. 
But I think when it's all said at the end of the year, I would like to see that those numbers are better. I think they can be because I think their offensive line is going to be so much better. Conceptually, uh, putting things together and having lookalikes where there goes a run and there goes a pass that looks just like that run. Which one is going on? Boom, big play. Uh, if they're going to drop extra people in the box and there's things that we, there's advantages we have in the throwing game that we have to take advantage of. And when we take advantage of those and they back up, then we're going to have an opportunity to hand the ball to Tucker and he's going to have more space. And I really do, I really believe he's gotten better. So he doesn't need as much space, but I think we're going to be able to provide that and then some uh, based off if we can keep the offensive line healthy and the things that we do with the tight ends and having a healthy Chris Elmore for more than four games. Yeah, that's something we haven't talked a lot about. Chris Elmore back for his you know twentieth year in a Syracuse uniform, his sixth year in a Syracuse uniform. Yeah. But having him, uh, you know, to to block and help out with uh, with some of the dirty work, um, that's going to be a benefit for this team. And and if the O line can stay healthy, obviously, you know, Dino says if they stack the box, they're going to stack the box. Right. It's a matter of can you then force them to get out of it, right? It's like when a, in basketball when a team plays zone. Can you shoot your way out of the zone? Make them change up their defense. Um, you know, can you hurt them enough that they're going to stop stacking the box? I think that's the big question. Yeah, and they are. Like you said, I don't think it's any question that they're going to do it. From from Louisville to Wagner, they're all, they're all going to do it until you beat them. Right. You know, so... Basically, every topic we get on goes back to can Garrett Schrader. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's uh, let's go to the defense. You know, we I asked him about the D line, and Dino has said this this might be the best linebacking core he's had. No, I don't have the D line. We don't have that one. D line is young and hungry. Nope, I don't. That's not I listed. only have two left. Well, the D line is young and hungry. Probably. Good, I bet they are. Um, and he feels like they've got depth there. He's waiting for guys to emerge, and he feels like they have a, a lot of options on the D. Oh, you found it? They're young. Jordan found hungry. it. They're young and they're hungry. I heard that. And young and hungry, you know how that is. You don't know. It's like a piranha. You don't know what's going to happen when you stick your foot in the lake. You don't know if one's going to bite you and let you get out or all of them are going to jump on you. And uh, I just think we got enough <laughs> bodies and enough energy in that room. And then Chris Acuff has moved to the defensive line. Another guy that's got collegiate and pro experience at that position. And I just think that they're going to be well coached. Uh, they're going to give us fantastic effort. And, uh, and we'll see. I, it's going to be interesting. The cool thing about young guys is they get old. But, you know, they are young. And young, young people have a lot of energy. They can do a lot of crazy stuff. And uh, we'll see where they go with it. But I do think the linebackers are outstanding. I think the back end's got a lot of people to choose from. And I think we're going to have a a fantastic rotation until we figure out which ones are the are the man eaters up front with the D line. I am excited about this linebacking core. I think it's it's the it is the best group he's had, and I'm I'm curious to see what they what they could do with it. And uh, you know, there's a lot of depth in the defensive backfield. We know that. Can they get the job done up front? Yeah, they're young and hungry, Steve. Young and hungry. When I think young and hungry, I think of whiny and incapable of feeding themselves, but. <laughs> The piranha analogy was very good. All right, we've got uh, we've got Stephen Bailey coming up. There's two more I want to get to though before we. I want to hit yeah. one more before okay. we get out of here. Yeah, the, I the, you know I don't know I don't need know that need that we about camp, but there, his his seat's hot. Yeah, so I asked him about the schedule and I asked him about the pressure. You want to do the yeah, pressure? Yeah, his seat is hot, and this it's it, 
it, it's got to be getting to him. Yeah, right? I, I asked him about the pressure heading into year seven. Steve, I mean, like, like before I became a head coach, you all we had was one-year contracts. You could get fired after the last game. That was, I don't know, how long has I been a coach? 10, 12. That's 23 years of living a life like that, raising a family and all that kind of stuff. You can't put pressure on, on coaches that they don't put on themselves. And we understand the volatile, how volatile our position is and, and the job that we do. We also understand the rewards with it. And I just feel like I feel really good about this team. Um, you know, we got to... I hope that we have some crowds at home that can really become the 12th man and can really help us in some of those close games that we lost last year, that we've got to be on the plus side this year. But uh, if, if everything works out, I think it's going to be a, a fun, interesting year. I don't know what that entails. I don't know if that's, you know, bowl season or not a bowl season. But I'll tell you what, it's going to be interesting as hell. And we've got personnel and we've got people. And uh, it's going to be... Uh, it's going to be fun. So there you go, Paulie. It's, it's got to be getting to him. Everybody wants to be a head coach and they want to win. Well, he didn't deny there's pressure. Yeah. But, you know, he said, listen, I, I put pressure on myself. Yes, the, I, I took, the, took that as an agreement that there is pressure, certainly. Yeah, and I want to hit something later in the show, Stephen, an analogy. He brought it up, and I was telling Jordan this before, and I didn't know if I wanted to bring it up, but he brought up the crowds, and I want to tie it into – MLB trade deadline day. Okay. And how crowds can help. Uh, all right. I, I did ask him about the schedule. We don't have to play the bite, but it was, he, he said, he kind of paused and he goes, I asked him, you know, his thoughts on the schedule and he goes, it's hard. <laughs> and then he paused and then he obviously elaborated on that. Um, it, it is a tough schedule and getting the six wins is, is not going to be easy. I think he knows it's a daunting task. Um, and it all gets underway. First practice tomorrow. And then first game uh, exactly one month from tomorrow. And with that, we'll step aside. We've got Stephen Bailey, SU football reporter for 24-7 Sports. Uh, He'll let us know what Dino had to say today to the media as the uh, team reported back to campus. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. Welcome back to Orange Nation, our number one, rolling along, Paulie and Steve on Weird Al Day. Uh, I don't know if the people listening in listener land are as excited as the uh, Q Sports Talk uh, group about uh, Weird Al Day, but everybody's requesting songs. We might have to do two Weird Al Days before the end of the summer. And this is your favorite. This is my favorite. Yoda. Uh, A parody of Lola by the Kinks. I'm a Star Wars nerd. Yes, you are. Uh, let's go to our guest line. Bring out our you, first guest today. I bet you Stephen Bailey's a huge Weird Al fan. Well, you, you can ask him. Stephen Bailey from 24-7 Sports joining us. Do you, do you like Weird Al, Stephen? Uh, sure, yeah. I wouldn't <laughs> say I'm a huge fan. I don't pretend to know the whole songbook, but uh, definitely heard, heard a few of them in my youth. I have seen Weird Al in concert twice. Really? Yes. Well, loud. Loud How as is hell. Is he good? Yeah, he's very good, but his concerts are loud. Like I don't know if it's just because I'm old, but I'm like, yo, Weird Al, take it easy on the... On the uh, take it down a notch? Yeah. I know whatever this thing... The accordion there. Yeah, that's it. Turn down the accordion. You liked him so much the first time you saw him again. I would see him a third time. He's that fun. He's that good. Yeah. Okay. All right. 
Um, all right, Stephen, we've uh, spent the first half hour playing back so, some sound bites from my conversation with Dino yesterday. We caught up with him uh, for News Channel 9. I know that you had a chance to hear from him today. He addressed the media uh, as you know the team reported back to campus, camp starting up officially tomorrow morning with the, the first practice. Uh, what stood out to you today from Dino? I mean, I think the quarterback stuff was probably what's most interesting. Um, Justin Lampson won't play at all this year. That doesn't really come as a huge surprise for those who kind of followed along. You know, he was, I reported that he was out indefinitely uh, after suffering a knee injury at the end of the spring. Um, it seems like maybe you could get him back at the end of the season, but they've decided to just kind of shut him down and let him inch his way back um, with the you know, Dino Dino didn't connect dots A and B, but but the dot that, that connects is Garrett Schrader is almost certainly going to be your starting quarterback in Week One. Um, Lamson was clearly the, his top competition. Um, he took all the first team reps in the spring game with Schrader nursing a, a hamstring injury. So now you got Schrader taking the vast majority of the reps and three backups kind of competing to, to get the number two job. Um, Carlos Del Rio Wilson, the Florida transfer, is, is the new guy there. Dan Valari and Jacoby and Morgan um, were already working behind Schrader in the spring. So I think everyone's really excited to see what Del Rio Wilson can do and whether, like, is he just kind of going to be another guy? Is he going to quickly step up and be the number two guy and maybe even push Schrader? Like, it feels like kind of the full range of outcomes is in play there. Yeah, so what, what do you think about this, Stephen? Because Paulie and I, are we don't see eye to eye on this. Paulie is very confident Schrader's going to be good enough to lead this team to six wins. You know, I'm very much in the camp of I, I got to see it to believe it, you know, based on what we saw last year. Where, where do you sit on the, is Garrett Schrader the starter for all 12 games in 2022? Uh, I mean, Without seeing Carlos Del Rio Wilson, I think probably, but I'm also in your camp that I don't necessarily know it's going to be good enough to get to six wins, right? Um, but I just I don't know who else do you throw out there. I mean, you know, Jacoby and Morgan's a pocket passer. I, 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 don't, I don't know how well that meshes with what they're trying to do out of the backfield. You know, Dan Valari didn't make a move in the spring. Maybe that changes in the fall, but, you know, he kind of had a chance to come in and step up, and, and it was Lampton who did. Um, and now you got Del Rio Wilson. So to, to me, like I, I would be, sh- I would be very surprised if Valari or Morgan really pushed Schrader at any point this year. Um, Del Rio Wilson is just like a total, total unknown, um, and he's got the mobility to match schematically what they want to do with Sean Tucker and the RPO game and um, kind of some of the deception out of the backfield that they can do with with a mobile quarterback. Um, but but in terms of the passing game, I got to see it to believe it. Like I know everyone is, is super high on the new pro style offense and it's unlocking, you know, what, what these players can do. The players are saying it's, you know, never been a player issue. We always knew we could do it. It's like, all right, now you, now you got, now you got to go do it. There's no, there's no excuse for it. You know, it really not, not working out as well this year. Um, and that, yeah, I, I, I got to see it to believe it. I'm right there with you, Steve. All right. Paulie brought up this question earlier and I thought it, it was a good one. You know, when Dino arrived, it was all about going fast and orange is the new fast and up tempo and get off as many plays. And we've seen gradually them move away from that. Um, is that still a thing? Like, do you think we'll still see up tempo this year or are they all about handing the ball to Sean Tucker and running the ball with Garrett Schrader and relying on their defense. And, and do you think this is going to be a slower tempo than you know what we're used to seeing out of Syracuse? 
you'll probably see some of both. I mean, they're not going to be going at breakneck speed all the time. I mean, if you got a tired defense in the second half, maybe you put your foot on the pedal. Um, or, or, on the contrary, if your defense yeah. is tired in the second half, maybe you slow it down a little bit. So, I, you know, I don't think they'll be branding around going fast anytime in the future. Um, but, what, you know, obviously they're going to run the ball a lot with Sean Tucker. But re- regardless of all that, I think it's going to be matchup-based, team-based. Like, their identity is – I don't think any part of their identity is going to be tied directly to pace. Yeah. All right. We're, we're on the same page with that as well. Um, all right. You you look at the, the makeup of this team, and, you know, we know what to expect out of Sean Tucker. We've heard, you know, really good things uh, about the, the linebacking core, and, and there's every reason to believe that – it's the best linebacking core since Dino's been here. The defensive backfield with Deuce Chestnut and, and Garrett Williams it seems solid. Um, so we know the positives. What, what are your what are your biggest question marks? We've already talked about the passing game. What are your biggest question marks? Uh, you know, for this team heading into the new season. Yeah, I mean, on the defense, it's for sure the line, right? I mean, right. you've got you lost. I think your six most played guys last year. And you bring back a second-year defensive tackle in Terry Lockett, who's who's going to handle so apparently the vast majority of the snaps there. Um, a veteran, Caleb Okachukwu, who, who can probably hold down one end spot, and a really intriguing guy in Steve Linton, who's like six-five and springy and rangy and playmaky, but like two hundred and seventeen pounds. You know, so it's kind of one of those things where where, and then a bunch of young guys behind them, where the staff felt good enough about what it had coming back that it didn't want to take a transfer who wasn't going to be able to start. And that's what Dino said this morning. They did not want to take a transfer on the defensive line unless they thought they were good enough to start. Um, so, the, again, it's a, i got to see it to believe it. And you're telling me you guys are fine trying out a 217-pound defensive end and, you know, all of your backups have never taken a collegiate snap before and, like, you know, that was better than going out and getting someone who could at least give you some snaps who's played before. I, it, it, it's, it's, a tough, it's a tough one for me to believe. But at the same time, I, I haven't seen enough of Jatias Gear and Elijah Fuentes Cundiff and Chase Simmons and Dennis Jock, you know, to, to be able to say, oh, you know, they, you know, maybe they're not ready for this. So it's, it's similarly to the passing game for me. It's an I've got to see it to believe it. And I, I think – a lot of it, you're going to be living and dying by those three starters, right? Like if Caleb Okachuku gets gets hurt, that's really problematic. And, you know, if Steve Linton gets hurt, how are you going to generate pressure? If Terry Lockett gets hurt, I mean, he might be the most valuable one of the bunch. I don't even know who their second defensive tackle is going to be. Uh, so they're clearly they're going to be small up front. And um, I guess the sunny side of that for Syracuse is they've known that since the spring, and Tony White has been planning for that. And it's a, the three three five is a movement based scheme, um, and and they have a plan for <laughs> for making it work. But I'm very interested to see how that group holds up because if you can't stop the run on early downs, then you take away playmaking opportunities for for your really really talented linebackers and defensive backs. All right, let's go from the D line to the O line, and uh, we've seen uh, Matthew Bergeron get a lot of love lately. Uh, I saw former NFL scout Jim Nagy uh, singing his praises on social media. Uh, Eric McLean of the ACC Network, same thing, talking about his potential as a pro. Uh, what are you expecting to see out of Bergeron this year? And do you think that he has the ability to to play at the next level and play on Sundays? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's going to be one of the ACC's best tackles. I think he already is. I mean, he's he's consistent, extremely durable. Um, 
you know, I, 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 th- I think he's a great player, and I think he does have a chance to, to you know, play in the NFL. Um, I think pass protection-wise, he's outstanding, and he said himself this spring that he's trying to improve his run blocking a little bit. Uh, I, I do have to say, when I kind of think of the offensive line, like, it's the other four guys who I'm spending most of the time thinking about. Like, you know what you got in Bergeron. You know, it's not like <laughs> teams, teams aren't going to be dialing up blitz packages to beat Matthew Bergeron. It's going to be those other four guys and where they all fit around him um, and, and what the depth looks like behind him in terms of how the offensive line, in my opinion, is going to impact team success in 2022. All right, Paulie uh, made fun of me yesterday for bringing oh, up a, a punting no. question when we were talking about the Bills. But I see in our our chat section uh, at QSportsTalk.com, the, the kicking game was called up. So uh, it, it's our last question, Paulie. I will, is Steven, how is the, the kicking game? What do you expect out of special teams this year? I know it's not sexy to talk about, but it is important. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, you know, I think Andre Schmidt is positioned to have a better year. You know, having a special teams coordinator and Bob Ligashevsky there, I think has helped given him a little bit more structure, whereas last year without Justin Lustig, you know, the specialists kind of made their own schedule with, you know, with some help from Blair Cavanaugh and a couple other assistants pitching in, but there wasn't the same structure and organization. It was, it was really on some of the older players to take on a significant leadership role there. So I think Andre can go back to focusing more on himself uh, whether that results in more made field goals, you know, we'll we will see. Uh, <clears throat> the punting game, I'm I'm intrigued to see kind of how that goes this fall. Obviously, they brought in Australian Max von Marburg um, to compete with James Williams. Uh, you know, I think I I kind of see them coming in on even ground, and uh, depending on how practices and scrimmages go, one of them will get the nod for Week One. But you know, I'm going to need to see to believe it from both of those guys. You know, Williams was hurt and. Um, Von Marburg didn't play American football. So, I, you know, it's another one of those things where it's like, it's weird for a team that has so many like clear high points, like all American running back, amazing linebacker core, standout left tackle, maybe the top cornerback duo in the ACC. You've just got these other areas that are like, you have no idea what to expect. Like I don't know what the I don't know what the punt team is going to look like. It's it's probably good that they have a coordinator, but I don't know if either one of those guys are going to hit a consistent ball. Um, just like you don't know what if the passing game is going to work out, and you don't know what the defensive line is going to look like, um, and you know how those weaknesses play out will probably have more to do with the team's final record than, than the strength. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, that's uh, you, you and yeah. I are on the same page uh, about this team. It, it should be interesting. Again, first practice set for tomorrow, Stephen. I know that you'll be uh, providing coverage every step of the way. Uh, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll have you on again soon as uh, as camp progresses. But great catching up with you. I hope you enjoyed your summer. It's uh, it's time to get back to work now. Thanks so much, guys, and enjoy the rest of Weird Al Day. How could we not? I know. it's That goes without saying. Thank you, uh, Stephen. <laughs> and uh, with that, we will take our final time out here in the first hour. We'll wrap up hour number one next on ESPN Radio.